Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for listening. In this episode, I interview Jenny Wood and Holly Hindle from Alfresco Learning. How often do you take your children outside for their learning? I don't just mean PE lessons. It's something I would have loved to have done more as a teacher, but I worried about managing the behaviour of the children and justifying it to the head teacher for the reason why I was doing it. I found this interview really interesting, especially as my daughter is three, and I can see how that can impact her learning in life rather than just in school. There's lots to learn and consider, so let's get to the interview. So thank you so much for joining me today on the Teachers Podcast. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yeah. You're very welcome. Um, so we are actually at the Brilliant Boys event um, arranged by Lucas Training. Um, so thank you so much for giving up your time because I know that you're going to be doing a workshop later. Um, so we're going to be talking about Alfresco Learning, which is the name yeah. of your company. But I just loved... I loved that name. Oh, thank you. I love Alfresco eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, no, it was great. Just, yeah, get outside. Um, so, what I ask everyone to do first is give me a backstory. So, obviously, there's two of you. It's the first time I've done two together. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how that goes and yeah. who fights to answer the questions. Um, <laughs> but do you want to give me a backstory of how you got into teaching and, and where you are now? Do you want to go first? Yeah, um, so I basically always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I did a primary education degree um, for three years and then um, went straight into teaching from there. Um, it was what I always wanted to do. It was just everything that I wanted. And then when I got my classroom and I remember being an NQT, just thinking, wow, I can't believe I've actually made it here, have my own class. Yeah, for me it was a little different. Um, I kind of got into teaching accidentally. Uh, I sort of left college, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went into chemistry um, and did a chemistry degree. Met someone who actually became a chemistry teacher and because she was going into schools, I was like, oh, I might go into schools, but not to do chemistry. So I'll go into primary schools and see how it is. Uh, Went into some primary schools, was thinking, actually, I really love this environment. I love working with the children. I love how every day is different and so from that when I left uh, my chemistry degree and finished the degree I became a TA and then took up a PGCE and carried on from there into primary teaching really. Fantastic and so how did you meet each other then? We worked at the same school Um, so I was actually taking a break from teaching for a year and working as a learning mentor and I came to the school that Jenny was already at. so we worked for a year, sort of me floating in and out of Jenny's classroom, um, supporting children in that way. And then I stepped back into teaching the following year and we were both in Key Stage 1. Yeah, so you were in Year 1 and I was in Year 2. And so we sort of connected that way. Our team was a very close team. Um, so we you know, got to know each other through that and then realised 
quite quickly that we were very similar in our styles of teaching and mm-hmm. our beliefs around teaching really um, so that's sort of how yeah, we met. Yeah we both took quite a lead role didn't we in the mm. key stage it, it was a large school three form entry so um, I kind of took a leading role in year one and Jenny kind of took a leading role in year two mm-hmm. um, but yeah we, we loved our time yeah. teaching together didn't we? Yeah. So obviously you, you built a relationship <laughs> but you also built a love of, of something else what was that? Um, so outdoor learning (laughs) so basically um, the outdoors was always I mean when I started becoming a teacher um, and I was an NQT it wasn't something that I immediately did Um, it wasn't something that I did straight away Uh, it was only after we'd had some staff training and someone from an outdoor learning company had come in and that's when I was like actually we've had a two-hour twilight and I feel refreshed after that because we've been outdoors the whole time compared to being inside on two-hour training and you just feel dead Um, so from that I was like oh you know this is how learning should be you know if I feel so happy learning this way and I've taken so much in from this training then maybe I should do that a little bit more in class and then I'd started doing little bits here and there um, but it was only in my last year of teaching really that I truly developed like a belief in the whole outdoor learning, taking learning outside for a lot of your lessons, different curriculum ideas, things like that. Um, due to the class that I had, so the class that I had was a very challenging class. It was the class that nobody else you know wants. Uh, everyone in the school knows them on first term basis for you know the wrong reasons. Um, it was it was difficult year for you a difficult year and so I started taking them outdoors with other staff um with me um as a way of sort of having a little break from the classroom having a little break from the noise having a little break giving them a break giving me a break giving the other staff a break and it sort of started like that and it was when I saw how their behavior changed outside that's when I realised actually the outside is what this class needs and all of a sudden the children that inside the classroom would be bouncing off the walls quite literally uh, would actually go outside, really take close observation without even being prompted, take close observation, lead other children and show them things, be inquisitive, be curious, be talking about it, be a lot calmer. And then from then on, I sort of never looked back with that class. I just took them out as much as possible. Um, I think, you know, you had a similar sort of experience. Yeah, so being in year one, um, my big concern was those sort of typical boys that come into year one who are only just five and they're not ready to sit at tables, they're not ready to hold a pencil, they're just really not ready for that formal learning style. And I was very passionate about play-based learning um, for a long time. So the outdoor learning was kind of a natural progression from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was given a group of children from across the three classes who were particularly low in phonics, they weren't on track for passing the screening check and kind of was told, you know, do your best with them, get them as as far as you can. And I looked at them and thought, this just, it's not working, this style of learning, it's just not working for you, you need something different. Um, And that's when I started taking them outdoors and doing very physical activities, you know, chalk right across the school walls and writing in mud and things like that. And suddenly the diagraph started to stick and the blending started to come along and we started to see progress. And that was, so that was a 20 minute sort of lesson each day 
And I progressed from there basically, went from doing phonics with that group to then with my own class, then taking little activities outside and basically expanding it into full lessons. Wow, thank you. Um, I actually just wrote um, a little note here. Um, did you find yourself thinking, how do I take every lesson outside? Like, did you, when you were planning, did you think, can I do this outside? Um, I think there's, you know, occasional times it takes a little bit more to think about in terms of, oh, how could I take this outside? I really want to do something outside, but what could I do? But I think for me, it always came quite naturally. I'm quite a creative person anyway. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, the ideas sort of seem to come a little bit more naturally. And I think because you know, you look on so many things on social media and you see so many things and those outdoor things always stuck with me. And I think that's where I sort of drew my inspiration from initially and then sort of felt a bit more confident to develop my own ideas mm. outside and took it outside that way. Uh, I don't know if you yeah, I think Yeah, I think it's just something that you build over time. Um, you know, like I was saying with the phonics, we were only short sessions that we started outside and then as you get used to being outdoors and using the resources that you've got out there, then the, the new ideas start to come to you and you start thinking, oh, I'll try a little bit of this and we'll try a little bit of that. And before you know it, you've kind of got this whole repertoire of activities and ideas um, mm. that you can use. And I guess some of, you know, I guess just like, you know, if you had a worksheet or an activity sort of indoors, you can kind of put different learning in the same kind of activity, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, so how often did you go outside? Oh, it depends on depended on the week so um it depended on what we had planned and it also was weather dependent as mm. well so we still went outside all weathers but if it was a particularly wet week we wouldn't be making them be outside every day would we yeah especially when they weren't always appropriately clothed yes, um, yes. so that's I think you know the biggest mm. thing that sort of decided whether we'd go out or not for us it sort of tended to be the drier days but that's because mm -hmm. the children came to school dressed for that you know those days yeah um I think yeah like you said depends on the lessons that we're doing sometimes we'd have a maths week where every single math lesson was outside yeah. mm -hmm. and then we'd have another week where we just use natural resources but we did it inside so yeah. it sort of depends on what we were doing um you know what the weather was doing but also what we were trying to cover as well I think so you didn't force it no, no exactly no. yeah we didn't force it but did it enough that the kids you know were still engaged and knew that we would do it but didn't do it all the time um just because I think as well like being outside all the time if you're in a school is quite challenging in a way you know mm -hmm. it's quite mm. takes a lot more energy to be outside and yeah. even though you know the benefits are amazing and you see all the benefits you it, you I don't think I could you're do it every anyway. single day. yeah I don't yeah. think I could do it every single lesson every single day mm. but I think um it, it was lovely to take them out as much as we could yeah and it is it's refreshing then and I think that if you do it regularly, the children get into those routines of what's expected of going yeah. outside. And that's that's great then, because if you do have a week where there's some reason, whether it's the weather or whether it's clothing or whatever your reason is that you can't go outside, the children still know what's expected the mm -hmm. next time that you do go out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did the leadership react then to you taking the children outside all the time? Um, well, I think... 
I mean, to be honest, it started with, I want to take them out, so I'll just do it anyway. Um, and I think because we were always very curriculum focused, um, well, I especially was in, being in year two, very conscious of, you know, what they needed to know by the end of the year, not what they needed to know for the SATs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always a very much a curriculum focus. So we'd go outside, but there would always be an objective covered with that. And I think because we approached it in that way, uh, it was actually taken on board, you know, a lot better um, by, you know, SLT in our school, Mm. um, because actually it was extending their learning Mm. and developing and deepening their learning rather than doing something completely different. Um, So I think because we approached it in that way, it was always quite accepted. Yeah, we were quite lucky really in that um, we had floor books as well. So if we went and did a lesson outside, um, if there wasn't evidence specifically in their own individual books, we had a class floor book so we could photograph it, you know, take down post-it notes and and stick all of the evidence into there afterwards. So we were quite lucky in that way. If you needed to, yeah, Mm. okay. And so what about preparation then? How long does it take and, you know, what resources do you need? I think you can you can just go outside. Um, you've got everything that you need out there. You've got the space. Um, some schools, obviously, have got different settings. So some schools might have a garden area and they might have trees, which will then bring them sticks and leaves and things like that, which are really great for using as loose parts for your maths or, or any kind of activities. Um, other schools, you might need to do a little bit of preparation in collecting those natural resources. But we say get the children involved and task them with it. You know, you've got enough to do with all your planning and everything. Ask the children to go out and collect some sticks at the weekend and have a box that you keep them in or you know a storage space outside to keep them in leaves pine cones all of those things yeah I always think that one thing that I always kept in my cupboard which helped me just go outside even on the spur of a moment uh, would be chalk because Mm. you know everyone's got a playground and okay it might not be massive uh, but every every school has a bit of tarmac so if you have chalk in your cupboard If you just feel, you know, the moment take you and you actually think, actually, children could do these part part whole models outside, they can draw it in chalk and they can go and do it, then you've got it there, you can go straight away. And it's that something that regardless of, you know, whatever you're teaching, chalk will get you a long way. You can do so much, you know, Mm. things with chalk. What I like about what you're saying is you're not really talking about anything that that requires a lot of preparation outside. And I think, you know, when I think back to, um, I was only in primary for a few years, I think, oh, I feel like I'd need to like, I don't know, chalk out the playground before they go outside. And how would mm. I do that? Because there'd be break time and they'd, I don't know, mess it all up and, mm. you know. But I guess really you don't have to do that. And if you can think of some kind of activity for them to do first while you do something like that, yeah. mm. then you can then get the possible. children involved as well yeah. and get them involved doing it. Um, and the things like you mentioned about having it on the playground, the great thing is you can leave it on the playground after you're done lunch and break time they'll go back and some of them will revisit that learning and yeah. you know it's another opportunity for them to practice those skills yeah um I was just thinking as well in terms of preparation for clothing um we used to sort of build up a bank of spare clothing for those children that might come in and they've not got a coat and it's it's quite a cold day um so we sort of would ask for donations of clothes that had been you know grown out of to keep um our school and I'm sure other schools were the same had loads of lost property mm-hmm. left at the end of every term. Yeah. It would always go out on tables to be claimed, but there would always be a stack of coats left or yeah. jumpers, and wellies. gloves, 
yeah, we used well to pair the yeah. wellies, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and we'd just basically take them into our own personal cupboards and just um, put them in a box. And then if a child was like, I have not got gloves today or I've not got wellies and it was a wet day, we'd, we'd just pull them out of the cupboard mm, and you've got something ready then. Yeah, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, my daughter's uh, just started the school, she's in nursery, but it's like they do go outside a lot. So they have to have a full on rain suit. They have to have a hat. They have to have gloves. Um, because they're just always going outside like yeah. that. Um, but she still comes back mucky. <laughs> She's got to have wellies at school, so yeah. they have to leave there. Um, okay, so what are the benefits of children learning outside? Oh, so many benefits. Yeah, um, I mean, one thing I think is a real big one that I always think about is actually them being able to feel a little bit more free outside. Um, you know, it does feel a little bit like freedom for them. And that sort of brings them out in a whole different way. You know, the behaviour is something that, you know, you always hear is holding people back a little bit. They're thinking, oh, I've got that class that, Mm -hmm. you know, is very challenging and I've got that class that there's no way they can go outside because actually, like, inside the classroom, they just, you know, fight and everything like that. But actually, I had that class and taking them outside really changed the way that they acted Mm -hmm. and some of my best lessons with that class were outside because it was just such a, a freeing environment. They could just move. There were so many different things they could look at. Um, there was just so much for them to kind of take in and absorb that it just it sort of like fell into place a little bit more and they were a bit more, you know, comfortable and, and comfortable to learn and engaged to learn and it just, yeah, gave them that sort of freedom and it they, it was just great to see them all the time, every time like that. Yeah, and that being able to experience things firsthand. So, you know, rather than watching videos of things or just talking about things and describing it to them, getting them outside and experiencing it. So, you know, if you're teaching mm. the seasons, it's so often look. done where you paint four trees and then you put different coloured leaves for the different seasons and you draw the snow yeah. on the winter one actually break that kind of those kind of lessons down and teach them throughout the year go outside and experience winter and experience autumn and see what you can find watch the changes in your environment that kind of learning it just offers so much depth and understanding and it feeds into everything else because then if they've got say an understanding of seasons they can then use that in their creative writing and they can use that then when they talk when you're talking about animals later on in your science they can understand you know, the curriculum so mm. much better, can't they? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, like, uh, puts things a little bit more into context for them. And, mm. you know, it really does develop those, like, problem-solving reasoning skills outside because there is so many ways you can, you know, approach a problem outside. It's not a fixed way that you're expecting one way in the classroom. It is, you know, can be done in so many different ways and there's always, like, opportunity for lots of group work and teamwork mm. and... You know, when you do look for mini beasts or when you are looking at plants, it brings in that sort of connection with nature and that sort of nurture. They nurture the mini beasts that they find and the plants that yeah. they find. And, you know, that caring for each other that sometimes is lost a little bit when you're inside the classroom because mm. they don't need to behave mm. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it caters to all of those soft skills. You know, our curriculum is, is very focused on knowledge. 
and it can be really difficult to work the skills into your lessons in class and when you're outside there's all the communication there's the social skills you know there's the emotional responses to what you're doing and all of the time whilst you're teaching something else the children are developing those skills you know their motor skills things like their core strength so they can sit up properly at a table all of those kinds of things are that it's done for you whilst you're teaching something else outside mm. and that's the fabulous thing about it yeah. um, and there's also research as well into sort of the effects of nature on the brain mm. and the prefrontal cortex in the brain actually the waves change in your brain when you interact with nature mm-hmm. um, in that it kind of slows down and that part of your brain is responsible for focus and attention so it refreshes that part of the brain that's really crucial for learning. So even if you go outside Mm. just for 10 minutes, when you bring your class in, you're going to feel refreshed. I think absolutely. Um, Even even at Classroom Secrets, you know, we've had meetings before and we're like, do you know what, let's go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. And we go out for a walk and and it really does help you to think, um, especially if you're trying to think of, of big ideas. But I think for me as well the experiential learning is is a key thing and I think Mm. a lot of schools now focus on even just like lots of little trips that don't cost a lot Mm -hmm. because you know even to the supermarket because some children haven't experienced going to the supermarket yeah so how can they actually write about going to the supermarket Mm -hmm. um because it's a lot harder to to write about it when you've seen it on the television than actually experiencing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't help me think of the right kind of words, I don't think, does mm, it? No. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So obviously, I mean, you've talked about a lot and I think teachers are going to find it really interesting. And I'm sure there's a lot of teachers listening now thinking, okay, so I'm ready. I'm ready now <laughs> yeah. to try something out. <laughs> what, can you give me some um, some ideas that teachers could use um, just a couple of ideas where it's not going to cost them a lot of money mm-hmm. and it's not going to take them a lot of time to try something out in the classroom and that they're going to get a good result from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll start saying about some Key Stage 2 ideas. Um, so I think science is a really good one to start with because it just so naturally lends itself to the outdoors and the outdoor world. Um, you know, I'm thinking about that friction lesson that's you know bringing out that ramp and having every single material different material put onto it and then you put your shoe on and you think how you know the friction of those materials but actually could you not just take that outside and actually test your shoes you know shoes are designed for the outdoors they're not designed for the carpets and things taking your shoes outside testing them on the different materials tarmac leaves wet leaves dry grass wet grass you know gravel all those different mm-hmm. materials that are actually already there in the school's doorstep um as well as having you know pulleys forces that's those are all big ones in key too that people always think about oh what can i do for that i was actually the science coordinator in my school as well that's yeah. <laughs> why i started with science but um having like pulley systems and things you could just literally buy all they need is like the pulley system and a couple of ropes and then you can go outside start pulling some logs making a mini beast house you know putting it into some context so that they're achieving the learning but actually having a real life context taking it outside for really not much money at all um do you want to say it's the memories as well isn't it exactly making a mini beast house that's something you remember i remember at school making a book 
but there's so much I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. You remember things like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, so key stage one, a really lovely one, is a journey stick. Um, so using that for storytelling. Um, so you made a brilliant one for the Gruffalo, didn't you? Yeah, so making, you know, the, the mouse out of the sticks and then basically having him go on a journey and then putting on natural materials onto the stick, you know, just with some string or some elastic band to represent the places that he went in the story. And then that way they can then bring back their stick or bring it back into the classroom and they have that stick to represent the story and they can then retell the story from using those natural materials that they've put onto their stick. But also, again, it ties in really well with science and the seasons and, you know, taking a stick outside when it's summer, what can you find? Put on the stick. Taking it outside when it's winter, what can you find? Put it on the stick or put something to represent it onto that stick. And then those sticks can stay with you in the classroom then and you can use it to compare the uh, different seasons as well so there's that you know all that needs is basically your sticks and some you know string which really doesn't cost a lot mm-hmm. um using stones using i use pebbles a lot put some letters on them numbers on them words on them you can use it for so, so many different them, things just keep using them. yeah so yeah. basically just kept them in the classroom um kept a lot of the stuff in the maths area just because it just fit well there um but when it had words on had a little separate box of pebbles with lots of words usually high frequency words or common exception words something like that and then basically you can do that to, you know, if they forget how to spell one, go and find it in the box of pebbles and then they use that. Or it could be that you've got a fantastic adjective and you really want them to use a few, you know, amazing ones to up-level the writing. Well, go and pick one from the box, put it somewhere in your sentence, write it down. Um, and again, that really doesn't cost, you know, anything apart from you writing some words on mm. a few stones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but it's durable. Exactly. Yeah. They're not laminated, I love that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have pebbles that I collected about four years ago and I've still got them and you know same with conkers like I you know had some conkers that I've been using for the past three years and you know they they dry they you are the conker queen yeah I I have tried this many times my conkers always go moldy I'm not quite sure where I'm going wrong but you are like the conker queen I'm just thinking I've got some conkers in my house and they're definitely shriveling yeah they they don't look as good as as a fresh conker but they are still they're not moldy like you if you just give them a wipe you you collect them give them a wipe and then basically let them dry and they will last you know they will if they don't get wet and soggy they'll last they don't wipe them maybe have a you know it wasn't yeah when there's like bits of mud and moisture and stuff they don't taste too well with that (laughs) yeah and then then, from the outdoor queen Um, and then for early years, um, using the senses is a really good way for developing language and developing that vocabulary. So going into your outdoor area, touching lots of different plants, obviously making them aware of things like nettles and holly bushes that are not going to be as pleasant. But those are really important lessons for children to learn, you know, for them to take that responsibility for their own safety as well. Um, like what a nettle is. Yeah. How many children now don't know what a nettle actually looks like because you know, schools take them out or they don't want them around them or, yeah, or they don't walk to school. Or they don't watch school, they don't go outside much yeah. and then something like that. Yeah, like or like the cry of disbelief when they've touched a holly leaf because it prickled them mm. and it's yeah. just because they've not experienced it before and it is really important for them. Um, but something that um, we do in one of our workshops actually is barefoot walks, so preparing some trays with different um, natural materials in. So you could have pebbles, you could have leaves, you could have 
grass, you could have one with just water in, sand, whatever it is, you know, and getting the children to take their shoes and socks off and, and go for a walk and feel it, feel those sensations through those their feet and get them to describe what it is that they're feeling. You know, is this a comfortable thing to stand on? Is it uncomfortable? Is it yeah. hard? Is it soft? Is it tickly? All of those kinds yeah. of things. It's just a really lovely way for children to build up that vocabulary. Yeah. I love that. I like that idea. <laughs> but I also like the idea that that, that mess would happen at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of home. Um, so, do you feel like the children came to expect that you would take them outside? Yeah. I mean, they would they would ask for it. They would say, you know, are we going outside for this lesson? And if, if yeah. it was a yes, there'd be a definite little cheer, wouldn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say that it had the negative effect either. If I said, no, we're staying inside for this lesson, you know, they'd know that the outdoor lessons were coming. Yeah. yeah. They were yeah. going to get, get outside yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they definitely knew over time what was expected of them when they went outside. You know, we had... Um, boundaries that we'd set up so um, getting pieces of coloured ribbon and just tying them to because our outdoor space was huge wasn't it yeah. so we'd wear, work in different areas depending on what we're doing sometimes you'd want the playground sometimes we'd want the garden so getting uh, brightly coloured ribbon and just tying it up around um, sort of your boundary that you want to create um, so like tying a piece to a fence post or a piece to a tree and some to a bush and just saying to the children right that's the boundary we're working in today um, obviously so the first few times you out, you go out, there's a lot of explanation there and this is where it is and playing yeah. some boundary games so they know how far they can go. And then over time, you know, we'd go out, they'd see the ribbon up and they'd go, all right, that's where we are today. And they, just yeah. and they just know, yeah. Yeah. which and, is lovely. And I've heard as well about um, using ribbon outside. So um, obviously... I've talked about my daughter going to a school that is quite outdoor focused mm -hmm. and I know that if they use ribbon a lot they actually yeah. take it to the woods and then they have to go find them and they might all be different yeah, colours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess there are things that you can take outside which are not nature yeah. but you can use it in the outdoors yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And something like the ribbon, the, the sort of like quite wide ribbon, the kind of plasticky one is great because it's really durable. So mm. if you know that you're going to use a certain space a few times in that week or the next few weeks, you know, providing your site manager's okay with it, you could, mm. you could leave it up and yeah, it's not yeah, time consuming. Okay, um, so I've had quite a few members of my team want to know more, so I've got some questions for you. Um, so Lindsay wants to know, do you think there's anything that can't be ta taught outside? Oh, um, I think there's things that are more weather dependent than others. Mm. I think most things can be taken outside. So I'm thinking about technology. You know, you can still take things like tablets outside, but you wouldn't wouldn't want to do that when it's pouring with rain. Yeah, and like you know, the way you use technology. So you could use you could use iPads and things outside, but you wouldn't necessarily teach children how to log into a laptop by taking their laptop outside. Mm. Um, but then once they know how to use the iPad you can then take that outside to, you know, deepen that learning. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, there's maybe some things like that where actually teaching it inside so they understand the concept, but then taking it outside to deepen their knowledge, develop their, you know, mm. understanding of it. Yeah. Um, and also making being sure warm. you've got a nice rubber cover on it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> because it's tarmac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Davina says, um, if there was just one outdoor lesson or activity that every child should do at least once in the school career what would it be oh I know what mine would be it would definitely be to 
do some mindfulness with them outside. So some kind of like meditation. I um, also had a class that was quite difficult and um, it was quite a loud class. We had a couple of characters who just, you know, really struggled to handle their emotions and things would get loud. And I would look at the children who are kind of your always children mm. and see that they were struggling with the noise. Yeah. And I started taking them outside and we would get togged up in our coats, we'd lay down on the grass and we'd do some cloud watching. And um, when we came back inside, I remember one of the very quiet children came over to me and just sort of said, that was fantastic. My head feels so fresh. I feel like I've forgotten everything. And that was kind of the moment that I was like, this is something every child needs to experience. Yeah. So yeah. even if, you know, maybe taking maths and science and English doesn't appeal to you taking that outside, I, I would encourage getting outside and doing some mindfulness activities. It's really good for you as a teacher and your well-being, and it's really good for the children as well. Only takes 10 minutes. And I think you've made a really important point. At the end of the day, you know, this is this is about all children, and, mm. and they can easily say, oh yes, this is really good for the ones who struggle to sit down. Yeah, um, yeah. But actually, it's helpful for all children. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah and for teachers, as you know, us as teachers as well because yeah. you know we you work hard and you do start to get burnt out particularly towards the end of a half term and being outside it's so good for your well-being too you know experiencing that fresh air yeah. and that and I think that it, peacefulness yeah and I think it really does develop like their you know ability to work together and talk to each other you know there's so there'll be children that know what you're looking at outside so if they see a plant or they see a mini beast they'll know what it is and there'll be children that have no idea and yeah. actually then going outside they you almost can just sort of take a step back and they will explain to each other what they're noticing and you know they will discuss their observations with each other and sort of challenge each other's thinking a little bit without you even having to do anything. And so, you know, it does develop every child in that sense, in terms of their understanding of, you know, the real world. Yeah, I find that interesting that you say, you know, some children will know and some children won't. And I almost wonder if some of those children who don't know do subconsciously know that they don't know something that the other children do. Mm. And, and maybe it's part of um, feeling like they're experiencing the same thing as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... Um, Jam says, how can teachers be given the confidence to take the children outside when it, when it seems so much safer to keep them inside? So I think just starting off small and starting off slow and doing lots of boundary games so that the children know the space that they should be in. So I know when I've gone outside with um, NQTs, and you know I've, I've introduced something to the classes and then I've gone, right, off you go. I've watched NQTs go, <gasps> You know, and you can see that tension. Um, so getting used to, you getting used to the children moving around so much and the children yeah. getting used to it as well. But also then, um, you know, when you're going outside, doing a bit of risk assessing verbally with the children. You've obviously got um, your own risk assessments to do. And um, we talk a lot about risk benefit assessments, which you can find on our website. But um, getting the children to basically decide what the rules should be for outside and why they should be that way. Is it is it going to be that we just go and we grab everything and, and why wouldn't we do that? You know, why is that a danger? Because if you get the children involved, they will take the responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. Other, you know, rather than you saying, don't do this, don't do that, you shouldn't go over there. Then you're going to get the children thinking, oh, I'm just going to go try it. You know, yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting them to think about why. And I think as well, you know, if you're getting them involved, 
it's the peer pressure as well. They kind of give each other a little mm. bit of peer pressure to make sure that, you know, well, no, we agreed these rules and uh, you are yeah. breaking them because I know them so well because I've helped create them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as well, um, in my experience as well, something it was, you know, if people are in that position where they are alone, they are the only staff member with that class and that's what makes them a little bit nervous sometimes that actually, you know, inside the classroom they can maybe just stick their head out the door and get some help, whereas outside you can't really do that because help's a bit further away. Um, If there are children you're a little bit unsure about for whatever reason, um, having them go out and do something throughout the day just with you know an adult that's free for like five minutes in the morning so I used to have some of my children went uh, litter picking in the garden just for five minutes in the daytime and then they were the children that I knew would get a little bit overwhelmed if they just went out with the rest of the class for the first time and mm-hmm. um, they were the children that I knew just needed to get a little bit used to it before they could do some learning outside mm-hmm. um, and so after they'd done that a few times when we took them out as a whole class um, I didn't actually need any other adults at that point because they had already experienced it enough to not be so overexcited or overwhelmed or they'd already experienced it enough to be able to then focus on what they were you know there to do basically yeah okay so lee um says have you got any thoughts on forest schools or beach schools so um we like our business is more about curriculum based um learning isn't it and bringing in the curriculum with outdoor learning but we still think that forest schools is great don't we yeah it's definitely got its place yeah exactly it has its place and i think you know for those that are lucky enough to have the time the resources the things to be able to do it fantastic um but i think as well you know don't be put off if you're not in a position if you you know are unsure of all the outdoor you know bushcraft skills but you want to go outside, uh, don't feel that you can't just take the curriculum outdoors as well. So we have come from the fact that, you know, we're on tight timeframes and timetables are tight and, you know, you want to go outside with the kids, but you have to sort of almost justify it in a way why you're going outside. Mm, yeah. um, and so for us, the curriculum was a way to do that. So we still got what, you know, we thought were the benefits of outdoor learning, mm. but the children were also covering the curriculum at the same time. I think as well, even if you have like... Um, so I think a lot of schools that, that have a forest school, then they're only going to be doing that maybe one afternoon a week, maybe yeah. with a specialist. Yeah. So that doesn't mean to say that they can't go outside more exactly. than those times yeah. with their yeah. own teacher exactly. doing more outdoor learning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and if school. anything, yeah. it's, it's probably having a combination of the two would probably bring even more to that classroom learning because then the children are going to be outside and they're going to remember all of the things that yeah. they were doing in forest school and I bet some of those skills will then transfer across to what you're doing as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm going to ask you some questions that I ask everyone now. Um, so, if you could make, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you solve the life-work balance problem? I think um, it all comes down from the top, I think. I think it all comes down from what Ofsted is expecting and then that sort of comes down from onto head teachers' shoulders, senior leaders, and it works its way down to middle leaders and teachers. So I think if I could wave a magic wand, I would change what Ofsted was looking for. Yeah. Okay. Mm, I think I would change um, how, you know, the balance of things that need to be done outside the classroom time would be. So for instance, marking being like a big one. Um, so, you know, changing the way you do it so it's purposeful that you can do quick feedback and you have seen what all the children have produced in that lesson, but 
not necessarily being such an onerous task that it takes, you know, hours every night and that's that's what you're spending your time doing. Having more time to be able to think, right, how can I make tomorrow just as amazing as today and actually continue the learning that they've learned today rather than, right, I'll spend the first two hours marking and then I'll have about half an hour to think about tomorrow and then I'll have about 10 minutes to make the resources and then sort of go from there. So I think yeah. changing, you know, the expectations of marking really. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And um, okay, who was your favourite teacher at school and why? Oh, mine was my year one teacher. I absolutely loved her. She was called Mrs. Murgatroyd and your name was either pet, poppet or flower. She was just absolutely wonderful. And the thing I remember about her is the life skills that she taught us. So um, I can remember we all had to learn our full names and our addresses. Uh, we, she had an old pair of like Doc Martins in the corner of the classroom to learn how to tie shoelaces. And there were a few little skills like that. And when you'd learned them all, you'd get to stand up and, and present it to everybody. And I just, that always stuck with me, even though I was so young. I absolutely loved her as a teacher. And I think, you know, looking back, she cared about more than just the, the curriculum. And it was about developing these, these young children. And that really stuck with me as a child. Yeah, mine was uh, my year three teacher, Miss um, McDonough. And she was just, you know, very nurturing as a teacher, very kind, you know, got the time to know everybody in the class and actually know bits about them. Um, and just the memories of her being, you know, very nurturing to the class and actually building a bond, you know, with you as an individual. Uh, and one of my favourite memories of her was when we went outside just to read a, a story on the grass and one of the boys picked up uh, a ladybird and she, you know, was a bit scared of ladybirds and he kind of just ran up to her and was like putting it in her face and was like, here's a ladybird. And she just sort of screamed, but actually took it all, you know, as in her stride, like as a joke, like, you know, played around with the children with it instead of just being like, put that ladybird away. You know, she sort of kind of let you have a little bit of that freedom and fun times at times when it was necessary, you know, and everyone just needed a laugh. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, okay, so where do you think education needs to go in the next 10 years? I think it definitely needs to keep moving towards skills-based learning. Mm. I think when you look at the modern world and the way it is now, um, you know, technology is only going to keep on advancing and machines and things like that. And I think, you know, knowledge, it's so outdated learning knowledge because we've got the internet and we've got Google at our fingertips now and anything that we need to know. You can just type it into Google. And yeah, the absolutely. thing that people are going to need to thrive is skills. And it's those soft skills as well, things like communication and understanding each other and, you know, the, that emotional understanding. I think that's what education needs to move towards because machines and technology isn't ever going to be able to take over that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's something that makes us human. And I think that, you know, as things progress... That's, those are the skills that children are going to need. Yeah, but then as well, like having um, a way that, you know, every school could go, not outside all the time, because, you know, sometimes it's just not realistic, but actually, you know, every school has a, an opportunity to go outside. Every child has an opportunity to connect with nature. I mean, one of the things, you know, why we started this business and when we were mm. talking to each other about it is because we believe, you know, fundamentally it's a right that every child should really experience nature and actually get to have yep. that time outside and get that time to enjoy the outdoors and you know if we enjoy it as adults well obviously children are going to enjoy it and benefit from it too so yeah. you know moving towards skills-based curriculum but actually having time as well to go outdoors and just do something a little bit 
off topic sometimes. Yes. Allowing children to be that. children. Exactly. You know, I think Remembering that we that they need to play. Yeah, exactly. yeah, we definitely sometimes forget that. I think particularly in Key Stage 1, when they step up from early years into Key Stage 1, there's so much pressure because the curriculum takes that step up. And I think sometimes we forget that. and we forget Sometimes we forget that they're six. I'm yeah. like, you know, you're trying to ask them to do all these things and then, you know, you go to some you know, meeting somewhere where some adults are a little bit unsure of what the expectation is. And then, you know, you have to remind yourself they are six years old. They should be out, you know, playing and doing other yeah. things sometimes. It's when you see them at parents' evening and they're no longer in their uniform and you realise yeah. how small they are. Yeah. 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 Oh, bless them. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking now how, how odd they look in a school uniform. <laughs> young. Um, so last question then. Um, what did you both want to be when you grew up? Oh, I was always a teacher. I used to be the child that would line up all of the teddies, I'd get a piece of paper, a ruler out, and I would spend hours creating a register and writing all of the names down and then spend about two minutes ticking it all off and start again. I was a really, really sad child. <laughs> I uh, wanted to be a zookeeper, um, was full on into all the animal shows, you know, loved Steve Berwin and all, everything that he did, wanted to have my own zoo like Steve did, and just all that sort of stuff I actually researched how to be a zookeeper when I was you know in high school uh, just always wanted to do something with animals and you know that sort of thing and kind of took a different path really but um, you know now we're back to the outdoors so it's alright it's kind of yeah. round in the end <laughs> I could still see you doing it one day yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe in time you'll get you know the risk assessments through to yeah. get tigers in a, well, a zoo, zoo school a zoo school yeah. who knows <laughs> that's next who knows <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me um, you've given some great content and I think um, there'll be lots more teachers going outside now that's thank great you. thank you for having us thank you Thank you so much for listening. I feel so privileged to interview so many creative and inspirational thought leaders in education. I get to have my questions answered and I'd love to get yours answered too. So let me know what to ask. I know that it's December, but hopefully you're already thinking about how you can take learning outside in the spring term. You'll find everything that Holly and Jenny talked about in the show notes and let me know who else you'd like to hear from and what you'd like me to ask them. If it's the first time you're listening to the Teachers Podcast, then check out our other episodes for some more great listens. We've been securing some more fantastic guests for you, and if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook community called the Teachers Podcast Community. This episode is now live on YouTube as well, so don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And did you love this episode? please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.